Well, I would like to talk to you this morning about the subject of cultivating community. Now, community can mean something geographic, right, where you live or something. Um, The dictionary defines community as a, a feeling of fellowship with others. It's as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Now, when you think of it, we live in several communities at the same time. You have your geographic location, right? Uh, Community, we all are living here in the United States of America. Well, we're also living in Richmond, or the Richmond area, right? Um, Other communities can be things like, well, groups of sports fans, you know, or a group of Redskins fans, or a group of Yankees fans. They're a community. Um, Alumni of a school, your high school, if you're an alumni, you're a community. You're, if you're a graduate of a particular university or VCU or whatever, that is a community as well. A community can be broadly defined. We can define it as the community of faith, the whole body of believers in Yeshua. But we can also be more specific. Today I want to talk about cultivating community, and specifically our community, Tikvat Israel. Now, community requires commitment. Only the Ruach HaKodesh, that is the Holy Spirit, can create real fellowship between believers. But he cultivates it with choices and commitments that we have to make. Now, Shaul said it best in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. We can go there. It says, So you are joined together with peace through the Spirit, So make every effort to continue together in this way. See, it takes both God's power and our effort to produce a loving community. So how do we cultivate community? Well, my first point I want to talk about is cultivating community takes honesty. You will have to care enough to speak the truth. And even when you would rather gloss over a problem or just ignore it, While it may be easier to remain silent where others around us may be harming themselves or others with a sinful pattern, it's not the loving thing to do. Many people have no one in their lives to tell them the truth, even when it's painful. So they continue in self-destructive ways. Often we know what needs to be said to someone, but our fears prevent it from us saying anything. The Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. Shaul went on to say in his letter to the Galatians, in Galatians chapter 6, in verse 1, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone in your group does something wrong, you who are spiritual should go to that person and gently help to make him right again. Speaking the truth in love sometimes means caring enough to lovingly confront one who is sinning or being tempted in sin. Real fellowship, whether it's in marriage, a friendship, or in a congregation, depends on frankness. Until you care enough to resolve the underlying barriers, you will never grow close to each other. When conflict is handled correctly, we grow closer to each other by facing and resolving our own differences. Now, frankness is not a license to say anything you want, whenever you want. Frankness is not rudeness. There is a right time 
and a right way for everything. Speak to each other as loving family members. For example, someone you may know may may be struggling with an addiction. You may see subtle signs of it, and they may be desperate for help, but may be too ashamed to say anything. Do you embarrass them or make a public spectacle of them? No, not at all. If we quote, or we look in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says, Do not speak angrily to an older man, but plead with him as if he were your father. Treat younger men like brothers, older women like mothers, and younger women like sisters. Always treat them in a pure way. Always think about speaking with loving kindness, not harshness. The idea is to heal and make someone whole. Let's be honest, but do it with love. The second point for cultivating community is that cultivating community takes humility. Self-importance, smugness, stubborn pride will destroy fellowship faster than anything else. Pride builds walls between people. Humility builds bridges. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And that second part of that verse is actually a quote from Proverbs. So Peter was actually quoting Proverbs in his epistle there. So the first part of that verse tells us that the proper dress for fellowship is humility. If you want a fellowship, be humble. But the second half is key as well. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. See, pride blocks out God's grace in our lives, which we need to grow, to change, to heal, and to help others. We receive God's grace by humbly admitting we need it. You can develop humility in very practical ways by admitting your weaknesses, by being patient with others, by being open to correction, and being willing to point the spotlight on others. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Let me read that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. Humble people are focused on serving others. They don't think of themselves. Take a genuine interest in people. You know, I lead the worship team here at Tikvot. Now, musicians, singers, etc., in the world today can be known for having big egos. Just watch... American Idol, this idol, that idol. That is, they have lots of pride in their talent. I'm so thankful I don't have that problem with people who volunteer their time here to be on the worship team. It is, in fact, their humility and desire to work as a team that makes it so enjoyable for me as a leader. I have had to work with people with big egos in the secular world, and believe me, it is not fun, and it kills teamwork. We each have gifts and talents we can give to our congregation. 
It is the differing gifts combined together that make us strong as a community, and they are all valuable. Number three, cultivating community takes courtesy. Courtesy is respecting our differences, being considerate of each other's feelings, and being patient with people who irritate us. Uh oh. Now, there may be a difficult person in your life. Let me correct that. There is a difficult person in your life. <laughs> there may be more than one. These people may have special emotional needs, deep insecurities, irritating mannerisms, or just poor social skills. You might call them EGR people, that is, extra grace required. Now, God put these people in our life for both their benefit and for ours. They are an opportunity for growth and a test of fellowship. We will love them as brothers and sisters and treat them with dignity. In a family, acceptance is not based on how smart you are, how beautiful you look. It's based on the fact that we belong to each other. We defend and protect family. A family member can be a little goofy, but she or he or she is one of us. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Excel in showing respect for each other. Treat each other as family. The basis for our fellowship is our relationship with God. We are family. One key to courtesy is to understand where people are coming from. Discover their history. When you know their history, you'll be more understanding. Instead of thinking how far a person has to go, think about how far they have come in spite of their hurts. Another part of courtesy is not to downplay other people's doubts. Just because you don't fear something doesn't necessarily make it an invalid feeling. Real community happens when people know it is safe to share their doubts, to share their doubts and fears without feeling like they're going to be judged. I'll give you a close and personal example. My daughter, Alicia, moved back to Richmond a few years ago and was part of Tikvot for a year. She had just gotten out of an abusive relationship and had to start over again with her, her young son, our grandson, Noah. The love and the care that was extended to her by this community made a big difference in her life with lasting memories. So much so that I'm excited that this Wednesday, she's actually driving down from Fort Nix, New, Dix, New Jersey with the now three grandkids because she wants to be here for the Purim party and she wants them to be a part of that. You see, the fellowship and the kindness made a lasting impression and difference. Number four, cultivating community takes confidentiality. Only in a safe environment of warm acceptance and trusted confidentiality will people open up and share their deepest hurts, needs, and mistakes. Confidentiality does not mean keeping silent while your brother or sister sins. It does mean that whatever is shared in community needs to stay in community and not be the fuel for gossip. God hates gossip especially when it is thinly disguised as a 
quote-unquote prayer request for someone else. Gossip always hurts and causes divisions, and it destroys fellowship. Proverbs 16 says in verse 28, a perverse person stirs up conflict and gossip separates close friends. And that's so very true. Gossip can cause a lot of damage. I have shared, I've had to share things that I've struggled with, whether it's family situations, people situations, etc., with Rabbi David when he was here, with my fellow elders, and with visiting rabbis that have been here. And there have been times people share deep and personal difficulties they were facing with me. The confidentiality that I received and the confidentiality I extended has been key, really, to healing and deliverance. Number five, cultivating community takes frequency. You must have frequent, regular contact together in order to build genuine fellowship. Relationship takes time. Hebrews 10, verse 25 says, Not neglecting our own congregational meetings, as some have made a practice of doing, but rather encouraging each other. We have to develop a habit of meeting together. A habit is something you do with frequency, not occasionally. You have to spend time with people, a lot of time, if you want to build relationships. We have lots of opportunities to build community here at Tikvot Israel. We have our Shabbat worship. You're all here now. We have our Chavarah groups that meet in people's houses on a regular basis. We have parties. We have a Purim party coming next week. We have workshops. We have Bible studies. We have, you know, learning Hebrew. We have Rosh Chodesh, prayer every month. We have high holy days to celebrate. It's all as community. Community is not built on convenience, but on conviction that I need it for spiritual health, and I know I need it. If you want to cultivate real fellowship, it will mean meeting together, even when you don't feel like it sometimes. You do it because it's important. The first followers of Yeshua met together every day. In Acts chapter 2, it's, we see it. It says, continuing faithfully and with singleness of purpose to meet in the temple courts daily and breaking bread in their several homes they shared their food and joy and simplicity of heart. They hung out together. They liked being with each other. They enjoyed each other. They built each other up. Cultivating community means giving up on our self-centeredness and independence in order to become interdependent. But the benefits of sharing life together far outweigh the costs, and it prepares us for heaven. So ask yourself today, how can I cultivate the characteristics of real community in our congregation and strengthen yourself spiritually, but also strengthen your fellow followers of Yeshua? You know, I spent the last five years of my career working with farmers. I met a lot of wonderful salt-of-the-earth type people who love the land. This is the time of year 
when farmers begin cultivating their land, getting ready for spring planting. I urge all of you to begin cultivating your community here at Tikvot Israel. Spring is the time for renewal. If you have been here a long time, will you renew your community here at Tikvot? And if you are new to this community, will you plant and grow with us? Shabbat Shalom. Thank you this morning.